Outwit, Outplay, Outpod, the podcast where fire takes represent your life. I'm Isaac. I'm Kayla. And we're here to talk about Survivor Season 45, Episode 8, Following a Dead Horse to Water. Kayla, the tribe has spoken, but we have not. What is your fire take from this week's episode? My fire take is never on Beyonce's internet. Should you or would I bust an all-women's alliance as a woman under absolutely zero pressure. I'll leave it at that. Emily is falling down your rankings once again. Okay, my fire take this week is that unhinged Jeff is the best Jeff, and I think he's here to stay, which is good news for Survivor Nation. When he pulled out that knife, man, that was... No, that was crazy. (laughs) That was a moment. It was like, whoa, whoa. Was this even in the script or is Jeff just being crazy? Uh, But I love that moment. He also had an appearance on a little talk show this past week where he announced that he is no longer going to snuff the torches of people who quit Survivor, which folks will remember is a mock tribal from a few episodes ago. So Jeff must have been listening. Uh, But I think that Jeff has been reading the frustration with some of the quitters and from the fan base this season, especially early on. And I think he's like, it's time for me to go into a different gear that people haven't seen before. And it involves knives, potentially nunchucks, other weapons we've yet to see. Uh, But I think it is entertaining as hell. So I'm not mad at it. (laughs) What do you think about this iteration of Jeff, Kayla? Jeff went crazy on this episode. (laughs) I was actually gagged when he pulled up. Yeah. I can't stop laughing. It took several beats for people to be like, one, he just, we'll get to it. But like, that took several beats. I'm really sad about the torch snuffing, though. Our viewers can't see my face. Um, but it, I don't know, it makes me sad. It just feels really harsh. It feels I a little bit I understand why he's doing it. But I'm like, oh, this isn't in the holly jolly well, spirit of Survivor. <laughs> And I was wondering what it's going to look like. Like in my mind, I was thinking a member of the crew, the backstage team will just come and sort of like remove the person's torch and take it off screen and you'll never see the fire go out, but they'd have to invent some, and they'll just have to like walk past Jeff. Like, oof, that'll be yikes. You probably leave your thing there and you walk out without your thing at all. Oh, terrible. All right, folks. Well, this week uh, and coming up on the pod, we're going to break down the week's episode, gavel in another edition of Mock Tribal, and end with our favorite segment, Survivors on the Move. Kayla, should we dive into the recap? Absolutely. So after Tribal, Jake is apologizing to Julie and getting scolded by Bruce for trying to rock the boat and save Caleb. Julie says it's starting to feel like Reba versus Bello, but the next morning, six ladies huddle up in the tent and wonder. Should we pick off the men one by one? Should we form an all-women's alliance? Is the future indeed female? Meanwhile, the men talk about tacos. All of a sudden, a boat pulls up to camp. The survivor auction is back, but this time, the castaways will need to find bamboo tubes of money hidden in the jungle. Bruce keeps his search casual, netting only $80. Austin earned $700, and Dee is the big stack bully with $900. (laughs) At the Survivor Auction, Jeff introduces two more twists. There will be no advantages up for sale, and the person who ends the auction with the most money will lose their vote at Tribal Council. He also reminds us that the last time we saw a Survivor Auction was 2015, so it's been a minute. The castaways get to drink beer, margaritas, milkshakes, and wine. They feast on pretzels, fries, PB&J, and pizza. 
Katura buys a covered item that turns out to be two giant fish eyes, which Austin rebuys and bites into like a juicy peach. Jake buys a chocolate cake, which he decides to split with Bruce and Julie. And when the auction runs out of items, Bruce is left with the most money, therefore losing his vote for the next tribal council. Kayla, your thoughts? I want everyone to know that, like, I basically hear Isaac read these at the same time, like, as the listeners. Like, I'm just as surprised <laughs> as I'm hearing it and calling the fish eyes bites into, like, a juicy peach is absolutely uninched. <laughs> um, and you also missed an opportunity to say, let's talk tacos. So I'm just... There you go. I'm just okay. saying that. We but can... We can, we can... We can go through your edits before the pod in the future. Before the pod. Thank you so much. I, my, it was, this is my attempt to ruin Kayla's love of her favorite fruit, which is a peach. Low peach, which is hysterical because I'm allergic to them. Um, all right. Let's dig into the episode. Okay, yeah. The All Girls Alliance. I have thoughts. I don't know why for one second we thought with this particular group and All Girls Alliance was on the table. Like, Julie was into the All Girls Alliance a little, and that makes sense, just given who I believe Julie to be. She, I could chalk her up to being a girl's girl, for sure. Katora, I could also chalk up to being a girl's girl. That said, I think Katora also was just looking for any alliance whatsoever, so she's gonna be into it. Kelly, I think I also said this in the earlier episode, was anti a girls alliance already. She was already like, ah, I don't know. I'm kind of like hanging with the guys and doing this and that, which is how she ended up tied to Bruce. Emily, I can't. I literally, I'm, I'm disgusted by her actions. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, and I just, D, because she got, oh, this is a, another conspiracy theory that I think was initially going to stop the all girls lines and it's track. I think Dee and Austin have like some kind of thing happening. Do you get that? Do you get that vibe? Well, did you see the next time on? Well, that's exactly why I was like, what's going yeah. on? And the next time. So, li- so listeners and the next time on Austin is like, I can't get rid of D. I love spending time with D. She's great. I love talking to D. And it was sort of like the next words out of his mouth were going to be like, I'm in love with D or something. I love so. her. This would be this would be a late breaking showmance if that is indeed where this is heading. I I'm not sure it's like a showmance. They also they didn't see the last season, right? So like they don't. Uh, they know did. About, they, they saw they part did. of it. Part of it, yeah. So they know about the Franny. Yeah, because that started like day one. Yeah, so they saw a little bit of that. Mm, they don't seem like the type who would want to have showmances on TV. But also, I'm like. There's just something there, and that's getting into the all-girls alliance. But Isaac, what do you think? Do you think these identity-based alliances in this show, in reality TV generally, like, do you think they're possible? Do you think they work? I've just never seen it properly executed. Yeah, so I noted this question in the outline, and I did a little bit of research. So can they work? Yes, factually they can, and they have worked occasionally on Survivor, Um, One example was, uh, probably the most famous example was the self-named Black Widow Brigade. And this was the faction of, you had Sari, Amanda, Parvati, a couple others. And they're the folks who ended up convincing Eric, the ice cream scooper, to give up his immunity necklace. Oh, yeah! 
check me on that because Eric's been on a couple seasons and I'm not sure if it was that season that he was tricked or what. But anyway, they were they they blindsided Ozzy like they were like boom 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 like taking the guys out. So that was an all women's alliance that was very successful. Um, you also had in Survivor One World where they all started on the same beach, multiple tribes lived on the same beach. That had a successful all women's alliance, um, and it ended up including the eventual victor of the game, uh, Kim. And her season is regarded, like she's regarded as one of the most dominant single season performances ever because she ran an all women's alliance to the end. Um, I think that fans of the new era will remember the Survivor 41 all black alliance that was formed. They referred to themselves. That did not work. The Camp Out Alliance. The Camp Out Alliance. The Camp Out Alliance was really rough. That was really, really rough. That was so bad. Yeah. It was it was difficult TV to watch at some points, um, and they did not end up going the distance. And that was coming off of the Cookout Alliance on Big Brother, and they were like, "We can do that," oh. and then couldn't fucking deliver. <laughs> yeah, and they had the numbers; like it, it, it was possible. There was there was a path. So you know, we've seen epic fails, we've seen success stories. I think we've seen a lot of oh no, an all women's alliance panics. We've seen more panics than realities. So I think <laughs> your point bears out. Um, you know, obviously this, this episode had me riding highs and lows because I like the two episodes after I prognosticate that there's going to be an all women's alliance with no information. We have all of the women sitting in a tent talking about an all women's alliance. Um, it sounds like you were skeptical from the jump, but I will say that Kelly in her post-game interview said it probably wouldn't have worked. It was probably too late in the game for that. And people had too many relationships already. Um, but it was a nice option. And I think that D also felt that mm. way. It was like, probably not my main alliance, but it's a nice option. And so why close doors, basically? Um, in general, I'm skeptical that these alliances can work. I think it's kind of an interesting finding of the social experiment of Survivor, I think, is that it seems like your lived day in, day out with relationships become the sort of strongest glue. Yeah, And it's not to say that identity doesn't play a role. It certainly always does, but it doesn't always seem capable of supplanting those sort of interpersonal connections that form just by virtue of who you live with on your tribe. Would you have been Emily and ratted out the all girls Alliance without being prompted immediately? Cause she should so, go to jail. Emily, if you're listening, you should go to jail. <laughs> I'm just going to say that what you did. Absolutely insane. Sorry. And and is that coming from a ethical analysis or a strategic analysis or just a girl code analysis? Just why did you do that? (laughs) I don't, because I always think about reality television. You now have to like re-enter the world, right? There is a re-entry period and there's just no way I would be willing to re-enter the world as the person who destroyed the all girls alliance unprompted with no money on the line at this point like we're not even that close to the million dollars it's very far away and you blew it up and now you have to re-enter the world with that on your back oh couldn't be me yeah i i, to- I totally hear that i, I think that emily <laughs> he said emily it's fine <laughs> emily is a financial analyst and i think that she caught on to the reba team stock rising before basically anyone else. She's the only person who successfully sort of glommed onto that alliance. And I think her investment is proving like it's going to pay off. And she saw an opportunity to double down on that by exposing the potential of an all women alliance to her Reba co-castaways. So I get it. At the same time, I get it. Yeah. I know you weren't going to like that. 
Uh, let's talk about the auction though, because one, I mean, how how did you enjoy the auction? Did you have? Fun I loved the yeah. auction. They got love an auction. They need to keep. I'm like, if it goes away, no, please keep forever. Yeah, um, yeah. So loved the auction. I liked the bamboo tubes of money. I that thought was that fun. was cool. That was just fun. <laughs> I. Um, I like that they say from the beginning, no advantages, because otherwise people are just hoarding their money in, and that's not interesting. I wasn't sure about the whole most money lose your vote situation. I didn't like that. I get yeah. why they did it, but I don't think it did what they wanted it to do. Yeah, I just don't love where, I don't love any time where the castaways appear to be penalized for success. And even though like Bruce actually, he was the, happened to be the person who had the least money. Um from the beginning and he ended up losing his vote. There's plenty of scenarios in which someone who won $900, like was the clear victor of the bamboo hunt uh, at before the auction could be left up, like, you know, left out to dry because yeah. they had $90 instead of 80. And is it fair that that person then loses their vote? Like the, the, your voice in the game as a result of that. So I wasn't sure about that mechanic. And also I think once people catch on to that mechanic, we're just going to have folks buying the first item for all their money. and that's Right, and I feel we got there toward the end where people were just buying whatever, and I was like, eh, boring. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but overall, high on the auction. I thought it was really fun. So fun. I had such a good time. Like, oh, why did they take it away? I don't – someone who knows something about survivors, survivor lore – Tell me what possessed them to take this auction away because um, it was so good. Okay, you're at the auction, Isaac. Stay with me. I'm painting a picture for you. You're sitting there. You know you have five rounds. One, are you buying anything on that fifth round? With these given rules, are you scared enough to use your money? Because you know that the fifth round is going to be something shitty because of the stakes are being high. So do you buy that fifth round knowing it's going to be shitty or do you risk it? What do you do? Uh, I'm trying to spend all my money as fast as possible. Like, especially like there's like bowls of candy. There's a lot of stuff that like really nutritionally isn't going to give you a leg up anyway. (laughs) And I think I just, this is something that in my survivor pregame, I would have promised myself, like, do not use auctions, foods, rewards. You are not a short-term thinker. Always play (laughs) for the benefit of your strategy. So I would you not are be not seduced. a short term thinker. <laughs> no, no, I would just like and and who knows? Like maybe I I'm, I'd end up being someone who goes really weak at the knees when I see a jelly donut. Like I I don't know. You don't know until you're out there. But <laughs> I don't know why jelly donuts is my example. But yeah, this brings so. me to my second question: What are you hoping to see at the auction? Like, what would really be like? You can have all my money right now. Yeah. I mean, I think eggplant parmesan. No, don't. Oh my god, <laughs> offensive. Um, I think a cheeseburger and a milkshake is probably going to be my number one. Like when I'm hungriest, at my hungriest, a cheeseburger tends to be the thing that I'm most looking for. I would do like I feel like before Survivor some nutritional analysis and be like, is the plate of pasta really the thing that I should go for? Something more carb heavy, but yeah, and. And again, I would hope that I wouldn't go sort of weak at the knees and and take it because I want to focus on strategy. But what about you? What are you looking for? I think milkshake's an interesting answer because both Aaron and I were like, who would freaking drink that milkshake? Because a milkshake just feel like one of those things that only exists within the confines of America. And I know that isn't true, but to me, I'm just like, (laughs) 
milkshakes, what? I feel like nobody else does them right. They're not cold enough. They're not thick uh, enough. Like all of the caloric, extra sweet, extra, like that's actually what you want in a milkshake. And nobody does dense, cold calories better than the mm. United States. So uh, Jeff, we Jeff like- has said, Jeff has said that um, there is a kitchen out there where they're like making this stuff to order in the jungle. Um, and I thought that was kind of interesting. And they didn't know from the beginning of the challenge how many dishes they were going to have to prepare, right? Because it's based on that random draw. Oh, yeah. Um, the fries were looking very undercooked, in my opinion. The fries were, were looking real pale. And I was like, are they salted? If I got an unsalted fry, I would be like, this is really insult to injury right now. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping for the charcuterie board. Like that frosty glass of white wine and the salami, Emily lucked out. I was like, this would be my, my goal. Yeah. Yeah. And Emily gave her a little dance routine and Jeff was like, who are you? Yeah. I like that. That was amazing. All right. So second leg of the recap here. Back at camp, Kendra's beer is reminding her of her biological dad, who she connected with at 18 and now has a very close relationship with. Emily spills the beans to Drew about a potential all-girls alliance and names Jake and Bruce as likely targets. The anti-Bruce coalition is taking shape, with Couture leading the charge. At the immunity challenge, Jeff pulls out a big bag of rice and says four people have to sit out to earn it. Dee and Emily volunteered to sit out and security. Jeff has a knife. He's got a knife. I, oh, he's stabbing the bag of rice. Rice begins to drain and fairly quickly. Drew and Keturah also agreed to sit out. For the challenge, the castaways have to hold a rope attached to a weight, gradually moving their grip further down. We're left with a Julie versus Bruce showdown and Bruce pulls out the win. Keturah is not happy. Uh, first, number one, big claps to Mama Julie. Like, yeah. I don't know what in the Pilates, but <laughs> you ate that. Like, it was amazing. I was so sad you didn't win. It was so well-deserved. You are my survivor fitness queen. Um, okay, let's talk about Bruce. Yeah. Big anti-Bruce coalition forming. Da-da-da-da-da. Kelly's also really souring on Bruce. We get a lot of confessionals of her being like, Bruce is the my ball and chain, da 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 da. Do you think she has a right to say that? Because I feel she has not done anything in my mind to distance Bruce. She's just been quiet where there is a strong coalition forming, but I still think she thought Bruce might be useful to her game and didn't want to freak him out or something. So do you think she can talk about him like that? Yeah. <laughs> I I think one of the the marks of a great survivor player is their ability to regard someone as an annoyance and a nuisance, but tap into the rational side of their brain to say they're still benefiting my strategy. And I think you were among the people who just recently were applauding Kelly's diplomatic ability and sort of brokering the Kendra Bruce. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> yeah, so I think she's really good. And who cares what you say to the camera? I mean, you kind of need the camera as confessional at a certain point. It's probably good for your mental health. True. Okay. Jeff draining the rice. Just walk me through that whole scene. So it's the typical rice. They typically do the negotiation. No, what about three castaways, Jeff? No, four. He cut all that shit. It's like, I'm going to start draining your rice. And... 
I think that really sent Drew. He immediately volunteered. I think he was scared. But what, how do you explain the big gap between Drew and the fourth person to volunteer as the rice is just pouring onto the ground? I know. Yeah. And I don't know how much was lost. I feel like we didn't get a great sense. But yeah, I think you got to go within five seconds. And if you haven't gone, then you're like, I'm not. I'm just not. Um, And so Couture waited a little bit too long. I just, again, just all my applause to Jeff for this move because I thought it was very dramatic and very unhinged. And what will he do next? I, I joked to Nina. Where do you go from here? Yeah, (laughs) I joked, I joked to Nina during the commercial break that in our next reward challenge, he's going to like have a similar time where he puts them on a timer and then he's like, and to motivate your decision, I'm going to bring out your loved ones bound and gagged. But yeah, I know that's like a little bit too much, but he's, I'm curious I mean, how evil mastermind he's willing to go. Have you seen Harry Potter? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, mermaids. There you Whatever. go. Yeah. He's finding yeah. inspiration in literature. <laughs> Honestly, that's kind of interesting. I wonder if they ever look to like fiction to find analogies for survivor challenges because the Goblet of Fire has some uh, some challenges worth imitating. I definitely think there are people in the survivors writer, small survivor writers room and production cast who, not unlike yourself, spend a lot of time in the words of other folks and definitely are thinking about this often. Last leg of the recap. So at Dakawaka, basically everyone is annoyed that Bruce won. It seems like people were really coalescing around voting Jake, but Jake can pretty easily tell that something is off. Kelly and Emily are acting very suspicious, and I got to dock them some points for the sketchy way in which they approach Jake. Um, All right, so Jake decides to, to desperately start idol hunting, and Bruce tells him that he will, quote, gauge the room in considering whether to play his idol for him. Then Drew has a little idea. He proposes voting out Kelly, who he views as a legitimate threat, and tabling the Jake Bruce issue for later. Julie and Dee seem like they're on the fence about this notion. At Tribal, Kendra asks Jeff if he's going to pull out another knife. And Jake starts to give a really halting speech. A little unclear where he was going, and he had to wonder whether he was doing okay. Ultimately, he makes his point. Everyone is dogpiling on the guy at the bottom, and that's the wrong move for whoever thinks they're going home next. Kelly says Jake tried to make an aggressive move too early, and Kutura points out that Jake's persuasive arguments are hitting. After all, he is a lawyer. Jake decides to play a shot in the dark, and he is not safe. Jeff reads three votes for Jake, and then the Kelly votes start. Kelly is absolutely shocked. When the last vote gets read, she says, what the hell, guys? She gets a little heated, but then ultimately hugs Jake, saying she's just shocked. And eventually, much to the chagrin of this co-host, Jeff snuffs Kelly's torch. Loved it. Loved every minute of it. But we'll get there. There's a special segment today called Kayla Gets to Gloat. Please (laughs) hold for it. Okay, Jake. I'm worried about Jake. He did not seem with us as he gave that speech and i do you think he was just overwhelmed like or is is he hungry he just ate yeah 
there's a couple scenes this episode where I went back and watched them twice because I just feel like I didn't get all of what I needed to the first time. The first was when Drew first brings up Kelly's name. They really, they really did not seem like he was persuading people in that scene. So that's one that I went back and looked at. Um, and the other was this, Jake's halting monologue. You know, this is coming from a guy who's had two seizures that they've shown on camera. I was pretty worried. Like, again, they're, they're not showing on screen anything about medical attention Jake is getting. But that was a degree of haltingness that suggested, and I'm not a, I'm not a doctor at all, obviously. Take this we are not word. doctors. It felt like a sort of cognitive gap more than it felt like someone stalling for time. Am I alone in that? Was that sort of your take No, I felt that too, where I was like, yeah, it didn't feel like a stall. But also I thought maybe, is he just overwhelmed? Because he knows he's on the precipice of going home. So maybe you're just confronted with all that has happened and that with the heat and limited food <laughs> yeah. like, manifested in this way. But Jeff was very sweet to him. Jeff was like, take your time. Yeah. Your time, I, yeah. <laughs> like, and by the way, just like Jeff, like give this man more Emmys and stuff. Like he's such a, like, he's just ready for any situation. I thought he handled that so well. He just led with so compassion well. and said, take your time, brother. I will say Jake also later when uh, Kelly is voted out, just like the most poorly timed. Oh, wow. Or something like, and it was like, read the room like read the room (laughs) yeah so maybe it wasn't a medical thing it's just like jake isn't always sort of like plugged into the social context in the way that other survivors are that sounds right yeah another consequence of the kelly vote out is that austin now has a second idol which interestingly they never talked about they never framed up during the episode they didn't remind us of that fact but uh, now Austin, J. Maya, and Kelly have gone, so Austin's steal a vote has now become another idol. Uh, he is quite the power player at this stage in the game. Do you think in the like first five minutes of the next episode, when they're all back at camp, we're going to get a discussion about this? Because to me, that's yeah. a really compelling reason to have done the Kelly vote, is that now they have this group idol, or like two group idols that they can use to the 100- end. A hundred percent. And I don't remember, do you remember whether, does does Austin's whole Reba Alliance know about his amulet situation? I think they do. I think they do. I think they do. Cause yes, because he, he, he told the story about how he wanted a sandwich and now he ended up in yeah. this like, alliance. So I just think even if you're on Austin's team, like to me, a reason, like I, one reason, if I'm D or Julie, I don't think I vote out Kelly at this stage. Well, I don't know. I'm torn. Like, I'm glad in some ways that they actually voted out a threat this time. You know, like they didn't just vote out a random. person. Yeah, like Jake would have yeah. been just like, it's not because he's going to win Survivor. It's just because he didn't make alliances. And I don't think that's the right way to play. Dogpiling on the guy on the bottom, as Jake put it. Um, Kelly, I think legitimately, obviously, she was my choice to win it all, like was a legitimate threat to win this game. And they pulled off a hugely successful blindside. So I got to give props. I guess with Julie and Dee, I'm just kind of wondering, why not leave the door open for the All Women's Alliance? Um, And also, do you want Austin to get that powerful? Like, ultimately, this guy is still your competition, right? So I'm curious at what stage we're going to get the Reba infighting, because I think particularly Dee, Austin, and Drew all have pretty strong cases. 
Julie might rack up some some challenge wins here coming up. I think she could make a case too. So we'll see. I think that's a ticking time bomb. Yeah, I just, I think this could also be a way where he's now too big of a target and they're kind of like, good, let him get too powerful because then it's a really easy pitch if yeah. they want to pivot away from him. Just be careful though, because he could win an immunity challenge and if he wins one and he has two idols, like he can be safe for you know, potentially three, four straight tribals and you might never have the chance again. That's kind of a good point. We're only at like, we're already we're down nine. to nine. Ugh. Yeah. Okay. The edit versus a fond farewell. Tell me about it. Yeah. So this kind of connects to that. So I got to think one of the reasons they didn't frame up the whole amulet situation during the episode is they didn't want to lay too much groundwork suggesting that Kelly was going to be blindsided because I mm. thought this episode, the edit really was not suggesting like, Everything about the edit was telegraphing to me. It's an easy tribal council. They're going to vote out Jake and we're going to throw Kelly in the mix as a red herring. But obviously no. And we didn't, we never got sort of like, we we got a flashback from Kendra this episode, which I don't know if that made you nervous at all that like Kendra could be, because, you know, they often have this sort of moment where it's like, take a bow person who's going to be voted out later. Like, let's hear about your life story. We This episode did not center Kelly. Um, ultimately, I think that was, I think it was good for the surprise factor at the end. I mean, I was torn up by, like, I was maybe more torn up by this one than Caleb than I was like awed by Caleb's great tribal because it was so shocking and it was just so palpable in the tribal council arena, sort of the almost awkwardness of it. The way Kelly asks Austin, did you do this? And he's like, like, was it you? And they were like, "Mm, sure did. Yeah. So I'm sort of like Yeah, so I'm sort of torn internally about whether I prefer it when they avoid, clearly, like, consciously make a conscious effort to avoid telegraphing the results with the edit versus, you know, giving a fond farewell to a great player. Like, I think Kelly wasn't centered enough as a main character, given how good she is and how much she was bringing to the table. I know I'm biased, obviously, but I think that's a dilemma that the editors are probably constantly sort of turning over in their minds. But also they couldn't center her because she ultimately didn't make it far enough. So like, yeah, it doesn't really matter. It They knew it wasn't going to matter. So they're not going to give her a lot of screen time. Um, also, I think they wanted us to feel how Kelly, how Kelly felt. And I kind of like when production yeah. does that, where they give you as much as the person leaving got. And I think that's like an interesting tactic versus the omnipresent like viewer who knows all. Yeah, and relates to how they did the auction too, where we did not know the number of dishes either that were going. I like that. Aaron yeah. was like, "Oh, do you think they're going to let us know?" And I'm like, "No, because then we won't be like, we'll yeah. be yelling at the TV, but we'll lack the surprise." Yeah, I agree. It was the right call. All right, well, why don't we gavel in another edition of Mock Tribal? If you don't already know, Mock Tribal is when your typically agreeable hosts spitfire and spare no feelings as we disagree on a survivor subject of some controversy. Kayla, what's on the docket this week? On the docket, our first day formed alliances, a good idea, I think. Yeah. So we kind of wanted to include this question just because the Reba 4 is proving to be such a force in this game. And whether it was day one or super early, those guys came together fast. Um, I think that... First day formed, alliances are a good idea, but first day formed, let's go to the end together alliances are a little too Terrible. Tasty. 
Yeah. And I think like you get into some sort of Bruce and Kelly situations, right? Where it's like, oh boy, what if I'm in for more than I bargained for with the personality. Because ultimately you do have to live day in, day out with this person. So you got to like, you know, do some window shopping before you decide to commit all the way. Not window shopping. Um, I don't think you should form alliances on the first day. You don't know these people. And also you have to know if you are self-aware enough to pick a good alliance. I'll say more about this. So I think most people who go on romance related reality television shows, it doesn't work out because these people are not self-aware and therefore they cannot be in relationship on national television. Specifically, I'm talking about, we used to have this show called The Perfect Match. And they had to find their perfect match. And the number one indicator to whether or not someone was going to find their perfect match is if they knew who they were. And most of these people are just like really zany folks that they cast on a reality television show and not because they've done any type of introspection. So you can kind of bet your bottom dollar that they're not going to find their perfect match. I think the same thing applies for first day alliances. If you really feel like you know yourself, you can do it. But nine times out of 10, you'll pick wrong. Um, all right, well, why don't we get into our favorite segment, Survivors on the Move. Uh, so, Kayla, <laughs> wait, wait, no, no, this isn't, this isn't about that. This is uh, about that. You have to I want to gloat so bad. That, okay, comes, that comes after the credits. Uh, I'm so close. <laughs> all right, so whose stock was rising for you this week, Kayla? Austin, he has two idols. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and also is now um, fairly well fed. Um, I think also Emily hate to say it, but she's secured herself nicely into the Reba alliance, and I think not being original Reba will serve her when the infighting begins. Yeah, I think that's a good take. I, I was going to say Drew just because I think that well, first of all, it seemed like Drew drove the Kelly vote, but he also his threat level seems to be third. Among the Reba four. Yeah. They really don't seem worried about this man. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And it seems like Austin is perceived as maybe the biggest threat, but maybe D because D won that first immunity. So they're like neck and neck, I think, and how the uh, rest of the castaways are viewing them. Drew is kind of in a good position where he has a great resume, but also isn't sort of tripping that threshold as a big threat yet. Definitely. Whose stock was falling for you this week, Kayla? Stock falling is Bruce. He almost got voted. This just the at their earliest convenience, he will go. Like, especially now that he's been able to win this immunity challenge, which I don't think anyone thought he was going to win. I know I sure didn't, even at the beginning of the challenge. I thought he was going to struggle. Um, and so earliest convenience, he's out. Yeah, and his number one ally, uh, you know, alleged number one ally has now been voted out too. So he is not in good shape at all. Um, I'm going to say moving down for me is D. I think that this episode reinforced for me that D is kind of like top of the list, top of people's list right now. And she's peaking too early. And it almost makes me wonder, like we should have a mock tribal about this, about this sometime. Like, should you throw the first couple of individual immunity challenges if you're like feeling pretty good? Because it seems like a like it really cements a perception in people's minds that if you win one of those early ones, like you move really high to the top of people's list in terms of how soon they want to get rid of you. Well, it's hard because they get progressively more puzzly. So you have like, will the same person who wins the more oh. physical challenges at the beginning 
be the yeah. same person who wins the more puzzlier challenges at the end. Also, we see those little ball challenges. How's your hand eye? I'd be in the back with the coconuts. We know what that last challenge is going to be. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, folks. Well, that's it from this week. Uh, nothing more to talk about on this episode of the pod. My mouth is so. hanging open. Okay, I'm taking control. Okay, so in this segment, the points update. You know it well. Let's do some quick maths. Isaac, take us through the quick maths. <laughs> yes, fine. Uh, so uh, Kayla and I entered this week both having earned three points after the first double elimination. After this week, well, Kayla was right on the money. Kelly was voted out in the number 10 spot, so she gets the maximum three points. Uh, yeah, um, I had chose Kelly to win the whole game. Bracket bust. Also, I predicted her exit flawlessly. I literally said they're going to get scared that there's too many ladies and they're going to vote out what they perceive to be the strongest lady. And then they did. And I was like, wow, I don't know what in the intuition but I ate this. As it was happening, I was like, oh, it's all coming together for me. I am not going to have to watch Star Wars again. That might be saying a little bit too early, but I feel like I really deserve this after last yeah. season. No, if you, you know, you know. You did great. You did great. I mean, <laughs> I you. yeah, this is this is not this is not a good situation for me out of the gates uh, to have my sole survivor eliminated in the first three. Ugh, it's a tough look. I will say like. I don't think I made a bad choice, honestly. Like, a lot sort of had to go wrong for Kelly for this to happen. Her number one ally lost his vote and won immunity when he was going to be, like, a consensus pick to go home. And then Drew had to really do some finagling. So I I still, I stand by the logic inherent to my pick. We almost got an all-women's alliance. Who knows? It can still happen. There was something there. There was something there. I sensed a little bit of chemistry in the group dynamic. (sighs) But, yeah, I got to just eat my words on this one. I messed up. I messed up. Well, folks, that is all from us this week. If you want to share your fire takes, shoot us an email at outwidowplayoutpod at gmail.com. We'd love to read those on the podcast. And if you're enjoying our show, spread the word. Tell a friend about us and rate us on your favorite podcasting app. We really appreciate it. We'll be back next Friday to talk about the next episode of Survivor Season 45. But until then, the tribe has spoken, and so have we. (laughs) 